we know that, and we've spoken about this, that we um, read Rus on Shavuos. We spoke a little bit about Rus to understand it, which is very beautiful to understand exactly what's going on inside Rus. But I'd like to take a step back and take what we call an aerial view about why we read Rus on Shavuos. Because after all, there's got to be a very good reason for it. Um, we have many Megillus, right? The most famous one, obviously, is Megillus Esther, Ashir Ashirim, Eicha. We've got many, many of these uh, uh, Megillus that we read throughout the year. What is the reason why the Minig is to read it on Shavuos? Um, so the Machzavitri brings down in Seven Shunyad base that we read uh, Megillus Rus because in the beginning of the Megillah it says, it talks about the harvesting, right, which is generally at the time of Shavuos, and it's one of the names of Shavuos, and because of that we read Rus, which is nice, but that seems to be a little bit inadequate, so that's why we read Rus, because it has like a similar name. There's another reason he brings, is as we know, we mentioned Rus became a Giyores, and uh, we know that Klal Yisrael, on Atzeres, on Shavuos, came Tachas Kanfeya Shechina, they became Balei Tshuvas, they became Kabbalah Torah. they were re the Torah again, just like she was. Another connection, which is nice, maybe we'll speak a little bit about that as well. Um, the Medrash brings down that Rus, as we know, and again maybe we'll speak about this in a little bit, in a little bit more, Rikas, was um, accepted the Torah with a lot of Tsar, with a lot of Yisurim, it was very, very difficult for her, coming to teach us what Chazal tell us already, that three batonas the Rabbi Shem gave to us, one of them is Torah. Torah is Niknebi Yisurim. So I guess it has a similarity there as well. And in fact, also to Mishabur already, he brings this down to Mogan Avram, and Tom Tzadis, as well. Others say that uh, Sefer Amin Hagim brings down that we read it on Shavuos, because Megillah Shavuos talks about Chesed, Chesed. Shavuos is Yoin Matan Torah Senu, which is tremendous Chesed that the Rabbi Shem gives us the Torah. So therefore, there's that connection. The Shari Tshuva, Sikot Zayin, brings a Bechor Shor, that says that Dovod HaMelech died on uh, Shavuos. And the Kodesh Baruch Hu wanted us to remember that Rus, because Rus gave birth, and the whole situation over there. So, there's a lot of reasons, obviously, of why we read Rus. There's a lot of reasons. And um, the, the, the most, I think the most traditional answer probably be was the, it mentions Dovod HaMelech, because that's who came out of Rus. And Dovod HaMelech, as we know, not only died on Shavuos, also was born on Shavuos, right? Sadiqim generally, Moshe Rabbeinu, died, born on the same day. And since Rus was Dovod HaMelech's great-grandmother, so therefore we mention that, which is very, very cute. It's a cute reason. But that doesn't really give us an adequate reason to why we would stand up, sit down, whatever it is, we read Shavuos, uh, Rus. That's reason number one. Reason number two, and, and the truth is we can ask this question in a general manner. Why is Rus, why, why does Rus have her own Megillah? You know, even Esther, which is named after Esther, which is its own reason why it's named after Esther, isn't really talking about Esther. It's talking about Klal Yisrael and Mordechai and Achashverosh and the whole plot and the whole Yeshua that Klal Yisrael experiences. It, it's a picture in whole. This is all about Rus. This is all from beginning to end. Rus, 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 Rus. Where do we find? Nowhere in Tanakh, in my knowledge, 
right, in all Chof Dalad Svarim of Tanakh, that the Shulchan Aruch says that we have to learn, do we find that we have a biography of someone? What, what, what is this? So we have two questions, really. Why is this so important to us? Why is it so important for Torah Shabbat for Tanakh, to include a biography about one person, that's Rus? And why do we read this on Shavuos? I think it's a very important question. And I think it's a question that we can incorporate in our lives as well. So, in order to answer it, we have to understand that Alpi Kabbalah, and this is brought down in a very, very open way, that Yomim Toivim are not commemorations, right? You know, by the Goyim Lahavdil, they go and commemorate a day. You know, they'll remember it by making a, you know, a festival or some festivities and whatever it is. They remember what happened. Khalil we don't do that. Yom Tov isn't a remembering, oh, of what once happened. Every single year, say the Sfarim HaKadoshim, on that day, that whatever happened, happened, whether it was Pesach, Sukkos, Shavuos, whatever it was, Purim and Hanukkah, everything. We get the Hashba of that day on the day itself. It's not just to remember, it's an actual day that actually happens. And therefore, we have to ask ourselves a question as well. There is no mitzvah, and we'll talk about this maybe on a, in a different, with a different direction. There's no mitzvah on shfus, apart from the cheesecake. There's no real mitzvah on shfus. Every yontav has a mitzvah. Sukkot has the sukkah, has the dalad minim. Pesach has the matzah. There's so much going on in every Yontav. What is the mitzvah of Shavuos? What is it? There's no symbol that symbolizes Shavuos, again, apart from the cheesecake and the blintzes and the flowers and everything else, which are just cumin hogim that we do, and we've spoken about those as well. Right? You can't sort of travel up upstate New York to go to the Catskills, stand by one of the mountains and say, Ah, Kapola Satoya. It's just not going to work. You can't do that. It doesn't work. Right? It just doesn't work. So rather we have to understand that there's something on Shavuos that we have to obviously do, and that is obviously get closer to the Torah. Shavuos was Yoyim Matan Torah, saying that's one of the names of Shavuos, and that's what we do on Shavuos. We'll remakabal the Torah, which will explain how to do that at a different time. But therefore, our job on Shavuos is to take the Torah that the Rabbani Shalom gave us and remakabal it, accept it all over again. Right? However, listen very carefully. There is a problem. And the problem is that if the mitzvah, quote-unquote, of Shavuos, the mitzvah hayoyim of the day, is to accept the Torah again, so we have to look at it from the perspective of someone that hasn't yet accepted it. Because if you basically are accept, have accepted the Torah from the day that you were born and the day you got a bismillah and the day you were bar mitzvah, so, what are you accepting exactly? Just eat cheesecake and off you go. There's nothing else to do. I've already been makabled. What do you want me to do on Shavuos? Bishlaima, if you're a person who hasn't yet been makabled the Torah, comes along Shavuos and you say, Aha! I'm going to be makabled the Torah. Here it is. I'm ready to do. Nasavadishma. God, I'll do whatever you say. Beautiful. But that's not us. We're here. We're doing it already. We did it yesterday, the day before. Yes, maybe we could do with a little bit of, you know, recharging, re-energizing, that's all true. But at the end of the day, if we're not looking at it from the perspective of someone that never did it, then what exactly are we meant to be doing? So, to obtain the picture of what happened, Tanakh devotes an entire Megillah to Rus. Because there's no question, Adam, on all history, there was never 
a story like Rust and the way she converted, in the way she did it with all the mysterious nefesh that she had, everything is there. And when we read that on Shavuos, you know what that does to us? That sort of, look, it, it shows it in her perspective. When you read Rus, and that doesn't mean reading Rus, just babbling through it or listening to the Bankoira or whatever, but it means understanding Rus. It means understanding the story, which Baruch Hashem, we've just gone through to understand it, which I think is important to do before I spoke about this, specifically. That now you understand what happened. Take Rus and internalize it. Because again, without it, it's very difficult for us on our levels to actually really internalize it. Because when you look at Russell, you look at the mysterious snafish that she went through. It reminds me of the story which, which I've told you before, but I'm going to tell it to you again. And I'm going to tell it to you again and again, by the way. Because I think it's important to remember. Of this gear that I was Zoycha to sit with um, from England. And I was Zoycha to sit with him and his carer, who he lived with. And he told me the story of how he became a gay. It was just unbelievable. I'm going to mention it to you again. He said, basically, he told me that when he was, you know, six or seven years old, he experienced something very interesting, that he always wanted to get close to Jews. He used to, like, run after Jewish people on the street, right? He, came from, he was, lived in England, there were many Jewish people there. Obviously, his family were going, but there were many Jewish people there. He used to run over to Jews and like, want to touch them and want to like, be with them. Very weird. His parents were very, very upset. Like, what are you doing? What are you, get away from these Jews. What are you doing? You're crazy. His parents were very upset by it. And he constantly did it. And they were constantly upset. Until one day, his parents found him in the library reading Jewish literature history about the Jewish people and, you know, all sorts of interesting things. They were so upset. I'm telling you this on my show, I heard it from the person. They took him, they threw him down into the cellar, right? They had a cellar, they had one of these, you know, doors that stairs would go downstairs and they locked him in there for six months. Six months. They threw down water, some bread, I don't know exactly what else, they butter maybe, whatever. The, the, the basic, you know, bare necessities of life. They threw it down the stairs, they didn't even look at him. They were so upset with their son who was, you know, trying to get closer to Jews, they couldn't take him. And for six months he was there, and his neighbours started to get a bit worried. Because they said, like, where is this, like, little young child? You know, he was 14 at the time, whatever. We don't see him anymore. And they were worried that the parents had actually killed their son. So they called the police... The police came with a search warrant. They searched the premises. They found the child in the cellar alive, very not well, right? Because he's been, you know, there's no light there and he didn't have proper air. And so he was not well at all the hospital. Eventually he recuperated in his grandmother's house. And he used to go from shul to shul and sleep there. And people used to chuck him away. What are you doing here? Get out of it. He went through Brazilianers for years. He tried to become Jewish. They wouldn't accept him. Not because the halacha tells you that you must accept a gay. But the halacha is in, the, in, in England that you have to be 18 years old unless you get your parents' you know, permission. There was no way he was getting his parents' permission. He was 16 years old. He had to wait till he was 18. He finally waited till he was 18 years old. Right? He's telling me the story himself. The person who he's staying by is sitting next to him. And they told me that, incredible, they did the brismila. Again, he'd been waiting years for this. He'd been learning with local Rabbonim to try and understand Gemorrahs and try and understand different things. And he was very into it. But he couldn't become a Jew until he was 18 years old. The day he turned 18, he's scheduled to become a Geh. 
they did the brismila. The din of a brismila of an older person is you don't bring a minion, you just bring two or three people, the, the moil and the, the, the rov and, you know, whatever, just like two or three people just to stand there. So the person who's telling me the story is one of the people who's standing there and he says to me, you can't imagine. Here's this yid. I mean, he's a goy. Right, he's about to become a yid. And he's saying, Rabbi Shalaylam! Ha'iliga b'ashefa! He was a b'shtikol chasidisha. Became chasidisha. Ha'iliga b'ashefa! Rabbi Shalaylam! I'm doing this because I want to come close to you. Could you imagine? He started shouting, Shema Yisrael Hashem Eloikeinu Hashem Echot! Baruch Shem Kavod Belchusoy Loilum Void! The man told me the Dayonim who was standing there were crying. Here's a Yid who's now a Yid who went through so much, so much Yisurim, so much Tzad. Did he have to? No way! He's a Goy! There's no Allah that a Goy has to become a Yid. Just do the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, you'll be fine. You'll get your Oilam Abba. He wanted to come close. And that's exactly the story of Rus. It's exactly the story she was pushed away in every direction, even by her own mother-in-law, with good intentions. And she said no, and she persevered. Oh, I am getting close to you. And she didn't do it for the covet of her mother-in-law. She did it because she understood that she wanted to be close to the Rabbi Shalom. She wanted to be close to Klal Yisrael. And the Yisurim that she went through to accomplish that is absolutely incredible. It's so important. That's why we read it on Shavuos. We read on Shavuos, when we read the Megillah on Shavuos, and many of us this year will just be opening up the Rus and reading it to ourselves. Maybe we should really be reading the English. Maybe that's an idea. We should be internalizing the message of Rus. And that is, look what she did to get close to Hashem. Do we do the same thing? Do we also act with the Messias Nefesh to get closer to Hashem? Or is it because we are what we call FFBs? We're from from birth, so everything just became easy to us. I told you the mice before. Again, these, these mice you can say all the time. Of a girl that found out in seminary here in Eretz Yisrael, she found out that she was not Jewish. Happens. She found out she wasn't Jewish. However, she found out. She goes to the rabbi of the Sem. The rabbi says, Ooh, that's a good question. That's not like the common Shiloh that I normally get asked. So he says, I'm going to go and ask uh, my Rav. And his Rav basically goes to Rav Yashiv and uh, Zatzal. And he went to Rav Yashiv. Rav Yashiv said, Listen, there's only one way to do it. There's a Hasfardi. Go to them. I know the Dayanim. Tell them the story. One, two, three, chick, chack. They'll do it. So they went there, they made an appointment, they said, no problem, we'll do it straight away, because obviously we wanted to become Jewish immediately, and um, she should bring some friends from her seminary for moral support, whatever, emotional support, and that's what happened. The girls came with her, a whole group of girls, they're sitting there in front of the Rabbonim, and they're asking her all the questions, and these are basically all the questions that Normie was asking her daughter-in-law, Rus, and these are all the questions that every basin asks every guy that comes in, and there's, are you sure you want to do this? Like, do you realize that if you take a tissue right now outside, it's fine? But if you do it after you do this conversion, you have misev, you have edem and asro. And it went through one after the other after the other of how severe it is to be a yid and all the punishments and averas and gehenim. And she said, I want to do it. One after the other. She committed. And eventually went through with it and called saw Her friends came out of that Misa and they said, you know, that's incredible. 
You know, we don't appreciate what it is to be a Yid. We don't appreciate that we have a connection to the Rabbi Nishalem. That if we just want to talk to Hashem, we just open up a sit, or even if don't open a sit, just talk to the Rabbi Nishalem. We have a relationship with Hashem. There are Goyim out there that don't understand what that even means. There are Yidin, unfortunately, out there that don't even understand what that means. We have to learn to appreciate that. That's Shavuos. And the girls said that. They said, you know, all these questions that they were asking in the base team, we don't get asked these things. Are you sure you want to do this? And do you realize that? We sort of just like flow into Yiddishkeit. And therefore we never give ourselves the opportunity to ask some of the very crucial questions of what it means to be a Yid. And I think all of that would pretty much answer, and I, I personally believe that's a good satisfactory answer, of why we read Rus. Because to look at Yiddishkeit, to look at Torah, to look at mitzvahs, the way we do now, because of who we are and how we grew up, it's quite difficult. Yeah, we grow up from, we grow up religious, we learn a bit more, we learn a bit less, we do this mitzvah, we never heard about this halacha. Okay, we live and learn, that's life. But when you read Rus and you see what she went through, and what she was willing to go through, for Yiddishkeit, for Torah, for mitzvahs, to give us to the Rabbi Nishalaylam, that is our job on Shavuos. Our job on Shavuos is to feel it. To feel that love that she had. To feel that connection that she wanted, that all of us have with ourselves, with the Rabbi Nishlan, with the Torah, with the mitzvahs. And to re-energize ourselves within so much of Yiddishkeit within our lives. So many times Yiddishkeit becomes, as we say, autopilot. You press the button and off you go through life. You make brachas in the morning and you wash negel vasa and you make your brachas hamazon if you wash because then they have to bench. And then you daven and then then you learn a bissel because a yid has to learn dafiyomi or whatever it is. And you go through life and it's wonderful. But you never stop for a moment to think about what am I here for? As the Messiah Shoshim says in the beginning, in the Hakdama. What is the purpose you were sent into the world? How many people do stop and think? That's our time. Shvuas is the time that we are going to stop, whether we're in shul, whether we're at home, we're going to stop and think about our Yiddishkeit, our connection to Yiddishkeit, our connection to Torah, our connection to mitzvahs, and ask ourselves this very penetrating question. How much mysterious nefesh do we have for the mitzvahs? How much mysterious nefesh do we have for the Torah? Because look at Rus. Look what she went through. Look what she did. And look what she became. And look what she got. Every single one of us can do it. Every single one of us will do it. And the Rebbein Shem will give us a tremendous amount of seed after the Shema to all be makabal the Torah again. And the Ezra Shem become closer to the Rebbein Shem.